but you can't just be about the bottom line because as we've seen people do things and the saying in Silicon Valley is break the law and say sorry later. Mm -hmm. See what you can get away with. But you can't do that with people's health. Yep. It's not okay if somebody gets pregnant. It's not okay if somebody's drugs were tampered with and you don't know about it. It's not okay to push drug number two when there's something superior. Welcome back to Imagine Human. I'm your host, Morgan Moncada. At Imagine Human, our goal is to share the stories of cutting-edge, diverse changemakers at the intersection of science and social impact. In this episode, we are joined by Dr. Sophia Yen. In addition to being the founder and CEO of Pindia Health, Sophia is a practicing pediatrician, clinical associate professor of pediatrics at Stanford Medical School, and reproductive rights activist. Pindia Health is a Stanford-backed startup focused on improving women's health through products and services. Their first offering is a monthly birth control subscription with a doctor's prescription and delivery direct to your door available via a mobile app. Sophia believes this topic involves more than just women's reproductive equality, but also women's health and resulting ability to perform to their highest potential. She describes the health implications of periods on women, including higher risk for certain forms of cancer. She also discusses the immense social impact monthly periods have on women's ability to succeed academically and in the workplace compared to their male peers, indicating that giving women the choice to control this factor of their health is tantamount to raising half the sky. So I'm Dr. Sophia Yen. My mom said, always claim your titles. So I encourage everyone out there to claim your titles. CEO and co-founder of Pandia Health. We bring birth control to women wherever you have internet and a mailbox. And the reason I started this company with my friend Pearl and me was I was giving a talk to a bunch of doctors. Why don't those women take their birth control? What is their problem? And one of the top reasons that came up was because they didn't have it in their hand. They didn't have time to run to the pharmacy. They were stressed out. Their insurance limited them to a certain amount of days. And she and I were like, we can solve this. We will just ship them birth control and keep shipping them birth control until they tell us to stop. However, when we ran ads for free birth control delivery, 60% of the women that responded didn't have a prescription. And I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. I can write prescriptions. And so then we added on the telemedicine component. And so that part is you just come to our website, fill out 20 questions, the same kind of questions I'd ask a young woman if she came into my clinic. Do you have any liver cancer, any breast cancer, any reasons to have a blood clot, smoking, older age, blood clotting disorder in your family? And then we also ask for self-reported blood pressure in the past 365 days. So you can call the latest office you've been to and ask them, hey, what was my blood pressure last time I was there? Or you can go to a pharmacy, a grocery store, or the campaign we're going to run is Hot Firemen. Any <laughs> fire station, they are EMT certified, so they can check your blood pressure for you. 
And then the customer pays $29 once a year, and we give them access to our physicians, any questions they have for the next 364 days, Mm -hmm. and take a selfie, a government ID, uh, your insurance information. Then we pass it along to our physicians. Our physicians look at it. If it looks good, we write the prescription. We send it to our partner pharmacy. They bill it to your insurance, birth control to your door. Mm -hmm. And if you already have a prescription, even easier and faster. You just tell us where it's at, what pharmacy. We move it to our pharmacy. You give us a picture of the front and back of your insurance card, or we also have credit card, debit card options as well. And then you tell us what address you want it sent to, done. You're totally taken care of until that prescription runs out. And then two months before it runs out, we say, hey, go see your primary care provider, get your prescription. Yeah. One month, hey. And then every week, and then that last week, maybe every day, because we want to make sure no one runs out of birth control on our watch. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's great that you're kind of improving the accessibility to something that's existed for a long period of time, and you're using technology to kind of augment that accessibility. And this idea of kind of prototyping or prototyping to see the, the need for the market, but through the survey that you and your co-founder kind of launched. So how did you go from that stage to being like, okay, now this is actually a large business opportunity. What is kind of the the larger market here? Why is this such an important problem to solve? Yes. So currently 10.7 million women use the birth control pill patch ring. And there've been surveys in preparation to take these methods over the counter. And it's been shown that 70% more women would use it. So we can increase access for 70% more women or 7 million women in the United States if it were made, quote, easily available. And this was for over-the-counter, but our system is even better than over-the-counter because over-the-counter, you still got to walk into that pharmacy. Mm -hmm. That pharmacy still has to be open and that pharmacy still has to be a safe, welcoming space. So you can imagine in some rural area where there's only one pharmacy, you walk into that pharmacy and you hang out with the pharmacist for 20 minutes. By the end of that visit, everyone in that little town will know Sophia was in again for her birth control, you know, because chatty Nancy behind you told everybody in the neighborhood what you were there for. Mm -hmm. But we keep it, we like to say care convenience and confidentiality. And so I hope for the day we can ask our customers, do you want your packaging confident or confidential? But right now we're defaulting to confidential, but it's no one's business whether or not you're on birth control. And we allow that by allowing access via the internet. So you can do that in your bathroom. You can do that in the library. You can do it under your pillowcase or wherever, but you don't have to walk into your local pharmacy. And it comes by mail. And the beautiful thing is, because everybody's used to packages coming from Amazon, from Etsy, from eBay, another package is just another package. And hopefully no one questions what's in that package is another package. Mm-hmm. And taking that analogy a bit further, were there any sort of e-commerce giants that motivated you or inspired you to use this particular type of business model? I love the concept of someone being too afraid to get the medicine that they need, but then suddenly having this opportunity unlocked for them because of technology. And I guess an additional question, in addition to having the e-commerce giants inspire you, have you seen your ability to capture a larger market because of that? And maybe these people that weren't getting the medicine ahead of time, these, these young women, for example, in rural areas, have you been able to capture that? Yeah. So what inspired us was we saw Amazon shipping everything to your door and said, why not birth control? 
And why should women have to run every single month to the pharmacy? And I actually coined the term that's never been coined in medicine before, but should be studied and written up is pill anxiety. Pill anxiety. So for anybody, envision four rows times seven pills. And as you get to that last row of pills, as you inch closer and closer and closer to that last pill, you experience pill anxiety. You start freaking out. I have to get to the pharmacy before this pill or there will be a dire consequence. And women suffer this every single month for 20 to 40 years of their lives if they're on the pill, the patch, or the ring. Mm -hmm. And if you're on other methods, then not so much. But if you're on any of those methods. And so we want to cure women of pill anxiety. But this works with not just this pill, but diabetes medicines, hypertension medicine, lipid medicines, anything, right? But we're starting with something that's core and important and needs confidentiality and is currently being attacked in this political world. And then we will grow with women as they grow. And so we're starting with birth control, but we can definitely add on acne. My friends are pushing mm -hmm. me to do wrinkle cream and menopause. And we are happy to be your pharmacy for life. We want to establish this trust as the only woman-founded, woman-led company in this space, as the only practicing reproductive health doctor-founded company in this space, and start with something that's important and vital. And what also inspired us was the Dollar Shave Club. They're sending razors to people's doors, and they exited for a billion dollars with 100,000 customers. But our product is even more vital even more important. In a time of low economy and low resources, you're going to toss that razor. It's kind of optional, but you better hold on to your birth control. It's very important if you, you know, if Almost you're more important, right? If, no, if you don't have the resources to necessarily support a child. And I wonder, does the economy support that? When there are economic downturns, do people tend to increase their purchasing of birth control and reliance on that? Absolutely. So my father said that Rome is a Catholic city, but they have the lowest fertility rate because their cost of living is so expensive. So right. when your cost of living is so expensive or your resources are so low, that is not a time to reproduce. And that's a time to get on your birth control game. And unfortunately for our country, we may be facing a you know slowdown because of the rise of China and rise of India, but also with these tariff wars. I think in the next few years or until we change this president, but also just in general, where we're going, well, the United States will not be as strong as it was before. Mm -hmm. In terms of birth rates or just in terms of economy, economy, economy. And how are you seeing the birth rates kind of change demographically because different ethnic groups have different birth rates? And are you seeing more developed areas like coastal cities, for example, with higher educated women tending to focus more on birth control, focus on postponing that motherhood and taking advantage of services like yours? Yes. So we see the need for our products everywhere. And we thought that we would see a greater need in the rural area than the urban areas. Because as you know, in the urban areas, they're like a CVS or whatever, every other corner, right? But women still have a hard time getting in every month during that prescribed three or four days that their insurance will allow them or during that week before they run out. I had a woman I was talking to at Hearst Media and she's on the 54th floor. She has a pharmacy on the bottom floor and it's been texting her, come get your birth control, come get your birth control. <laughs> and she's just too busy during her day with yeah. meetings and interviews and stuff that she can't get down while it's open. And so to have it come in your mail, everybody gets their mail. 
right? You got to pay your bills and whatnot, though people are going online, but your mail comes. And so I love to say, nor rain, nor sleet, nor snow is going to block your birth control because we use the U.S. Postal Service. But certainly if somebody blocks it by snow, then it might, pick, it might get blocked. But it is needed both in the rural and the urban areas. And definitely those who are more educated and who need to attain more education need birth control. I also like to say what woman would have graduated college or high school, well, not high school, but college <laughs> or college or higher education, grad school, law school, med school, without birth control. Yeah. You literally mm -hmm. have to be a saint. And so birth control has been huge for elevating women's equality in both education and in the workplace. But what we're also proposing is periods optional. So if you go to pandiahealth.com forward slash periods optional, we want to teach women that if you're bleeding one week out of four, that's your choice. We now have the technology to turn that off. One of the top reasons women miss school or work under the age of 25, not just in third world countries, but in the United States, is because of their periods. When I give a talk to 30 CEO women, three of them will come up to me afterwards and be like, I miss an entire day of work or two or three days of work every single month because my periods are so horrible, so much blood, so much pain. And I'm like, what country are you in? You're a CEO. You should have insurance and you should have the science and the knowledge to know that we can treat it. The first line treatment is ibuprofen, 600 milligrams with food three times a day for up to five days. Make sure you take it with food. But failing that then would be, quote, birth control. And so we want people to know that birth control is not just for birth control, but it can be for menstrual regulation. It can be for horrible bad periods. It can be for heavy, heavy periods. The number one cause of anemia in a menstruating woman, menstruation. And that is a standard medical doctor thing. We like to pimp our medical students. What's the number one cause of anemia in a menstruating woman? And the answer is menstruation. And if men had to bleed one week out of four for 20, 30 years of their lives, it would have been turned off ages ago, I think. But more recently, we've just kind of realized that. But since the inception of the pill, we knew it was possible. But only more recently, with increased use of IUD, have people become more accustomed or okay with it. Because with people who are on the IUD as hormone, 70% of the women lose their periods on that. And so now that more and more women are moving towards these long-acting reversible contraceptives, more people are okay with not having their period. Mm -hmm. And are there any negative consequences to retracting the period or I guess the lack of period? Yeah. yeah. Are there any negative consequences to having a lack of period? Because I, I know in some of your previous talks, you've, you've talked about how anthropologically humans shouldn't be having periods this frequently. And it's a function of our diets in the world that we live in now. Yes. So there's a great article by Malcolm Gladwell mm -hmm. called John Rock's Error. And it goes over, as you stated, the work of Dr. Beverly Strassman, who studies the Dogon tribe in Mali. And they don't die at age 30, they die at age 70. So we're comparing apples to apples, not apples to oranges, mm -hmm. but they have a hundred periods in their lives. And we here in the more industrialized countries have 350 to 400. Wow. And the difference is we start at 12, they start at 16. Because mm -hmm. as you mentioned, nutrition, once you hit hundred pounds or 22% body fat, you will get your period. And so we are in the land of plenty and we hit that at age 12. They don't hit that until age 16. Then we have 13 periods a year. They have six because they have not as much nutrition. 
They have eight babies. We have two. They breastfeed for 18 months. We breastfeed for zero, three, or six months. And so unfortunately, in the old days, women were incessantly pregnant or incessantly breastfeeding. Do you know how many periods a woman has when she's pregnant? Zero. Zero, exactly. And if you're solely breastfeeding, exclusively breastfeeding, also zero. Mm -hmm. And so we were supposed to be pregnant or breastfeeding with no periods. But now we're incessantly menstruating and we haven't evolved away from that. And what people don't realize is every time you build that lining in the uterus, you could get cancer. So that's a risk for endometrial cancer. Anytime there's buildup, there's a risk for cancer. And then every time you pop out an egg and it heals, risk for ovarian cancer. The only way to decrease your risk of ovarian cancer is to go on a method that blocks the egg from coming out for five years. And that decreases your risk of ovarian cancer by 60%. And then the only other way is to take out your ovaries, which we don't recommend until you are done, you know, birthing and having your child cycle. So this is a great way to decrease your chance of endometrial and ovarian cancer, anemia, and it also decreases your risk of colorectal cancer. I don't know the mechanism <laughs> of that one. And then it's also good for diabetes, seizures, and depression. Because wow. with this buildup of the uterus every single month, we are... Our hormones are going up and down, Mm -hmm. up and down, up and down. And life is just better stable. And so if you're on the pill patch ring, you can just maintain a stable level. And that last week, which you come off or you eat some sugar pills and where you bleed, your hormones are falling. And we don't need that week. That week is totally optional. So Dr. John Rock was one of the founders of the pill. He was an MD. And there were two PhD co-founders. And Dr. Rock was a devout Catholic. And he's like, I'm going to get this through the Catholic Church. I'm just going to make periods regular. And then you can practice the rhythm or fertility awareness model. I'll get this through the Catholic Church. And the two PhDs are like, dude, why are you making people bleed every month? It could be every three months. It could be every six months. It could be never. And he's like, no, I'm going to get this through the Catholic Church. And so Dr. Rock got it through the nuns. He got it through the priests. So it was so close. The Pope got wind of it and exonated. But because of Dr. Rock, Every method since has had a bleed one week out of four, Mm. purely optional. And had the other two PhDs won that argument or the other two co-founders won that argument, or if they'd taken a vote two to one, we wouldn't have this bleeding every single month. So if you're on the pill packs ring, you can absolutely turn off your periods. But even if you're not, we can put you on a method that could make your periods. 70% of women on the IUD will lose their periods and the other 30% will be lighter. And so this rhythm method that he had developed is not one of those methods that will free you from a period. You'll still have one. Yes. Okay. His point was that the church was fine with the rhythm method. And so Mm, he was just going to make the period rock solid, regular every four weeks. So then you could practice the rhythm method perfectly. But he didn't mention that he was blocking ovulation. And by rhythm method, it's like you time your ovulation cycles so that you can still, you know, have sex, but without the risk of... Around the egg time. Around the egg time. Yeah. So So it requires really careful time management. Exactly. And control of yourself, right? Like you cannot be horny during these days. Or if you are, you cannot have intercourse. Mm -hmm. You can have outer course. (laughs) Okay. Got it. And so this business model that you've kind of developed, there must be some other competitors in the space that are, you know, trying to do this kind of direct delivery. um, Yes prescription birth control, who are some of the competitors and what do you think your advantages are? 
So I never like to mention the name of my competitors because they don't deserve any free PR. No, but okay. there are definitely competitors in the market. And the differentiator is one of our competitors. Their next product is PrEP. And PrEP is a great product, but a totally different audience. PrEP is pre-exposure prophylaxis. And I call it a homosexual male's equivalent to birth control pill. You take a pill every single day to avoid an adverse outcome. And again, that market is men who have sex with men. At Pandia Health, we're building the brand that women trust with their health. And we purposely chose the name Pandia, Greek goddess of healing, light, hormone. Mm. I also made up the definition, pan is every and dia is day. So we got you covered every day. Mm -hmm. Set it and forget it. Let us worry so you don't have to. And we're women-founded, women-led, practicing reproductive health doctor founded and led. So that is the diff huge differentiator between us and everyone else. You can trust us. And what we like to say is that as long as I'm CEO and as long as this company follows my values, we will always tell you what's best for your health, even if it's not best for our bottom line. I mm -hmm. will absolutely make money. I know how to make money. I know how not to lose money. Yeah. But I will not make it on the back of your health. Yeah, that's great. And I think that you see that more in the health-oriented companies yes. versus, you know, tech or consumer-oriented companies where bottom line often can drive or derail the initial product vision and mission. How have you been able to keep steady with those values that you have prioritizing the health while also balancing the bottom line interests of your investors and stakeholders? Yeah. So I think that when you cut corners, which if you Google some of our competitors cut corners, New York Times, you'll <laughs> find that they're being investigated, you risk liability. So it's smart to do what's right and what's good. And I believe in karma. I believe if you put out goodness, goodness will come back. And if you do something bad, that's darkness and darkness will come back. But the example I give is, I don't know why my competitors are pushing plan B when there's a better method called Ella for emergency contraception. So this is what I call my Pandia PSA of the day for your listeners. Yeah, and you guys use Ella. Yes, okay. we use yeah. Ella. And the reason why is Ella is better at every single time point compared to plan B. Ella, if your doctor prescribes it and we're a prescribing platform, is free under the Affordable Care Act. No copay, no deductible. Mm -hmm. However, the profit margin on Ella is much smaller than the profit margin on plan B and its generics. And so I don't know if my competitors, I don't know why they're pushing that one over the better product. And maybe it's because I'm an academic and I stay on the cutting edge of medicine and I have these medical students and residents, Dr. Yen, why aren't you using the best possible product? And like, I'll look up the paper. Yes, I should use this product and not that product because we're doctor founded, because we're academic doctor founded. And I love birth control. I love to say I live, breathe, eat, and prescribe birth control. <laughs> I just love birth control and, and what it does for women. That's why we do Ella and not Plan B. And also the pearl out there is if your body mass index is 26 or greater, Plan B and its generics is the equivalent of water. So people don't know that and people are using it and people are gonna end up pregnant. And that's not okay. And so I think if you push in an inferior product and somebody gets pregnant, that's a horrible thing you've done and you should get sued for it. And so I will decrease the liability for my investors mm -hmm. by doing the right thing. I think that's a very strong argument. And I 
also think that that education is important and it comes as part of understanding the value of birth control. How do you make sure that you're spreading the awareness and the education? What steps do you take to educate your potential users if they're not already using your product? Great question. So we have a YouTube channel. I hope everybody goes and Googles Pandia Health and YouTube. We have 150,000 views on our most popular video with no advertising, no promotion. Because we answer, I know as a doctor, what are the number one questions that my patients keep asking me? What are the questions that keep coming back? And the number one question that is very popular is first time on birth control, here are our tips. And the bottom line is don't take your birth control first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. That is the worst possible way to take it because you will be nauseous. So we recommend taking it right before you go to bed. And in my 10, 20 plus years of prescribing birth control, I've only had two patients wake up in the middle of the night nauseous from their birth control pills, but everybody else has been fine. Or take it with your largest meal of the day, which for most Americans is dinner. So those those are the key tips. TL didn't watch my video. We have our YouTube. Also, I'm on Quora answering birth control questions. I was one of the first people out there just answering birth control questions in general, wiki answers or Yahoo answers. It was me and one other woman. She's a nurse and it was me. And I was was like, there's only two people in the entire world answering questions. This is ridiculous. There are more now on Quora, but in the old days, you know, and I would check her answers and she was fine. So I let her run. I was like, I don't have time for this. I have to do my doctor stuff. Yeah. We're also on Quora. And then if you go to our website, we have Q&A with Dr. Y. And it's all the questions I've answered on Quora, all the questions that have come in from our patients, because I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. If I've answered the question, we should put it out there. And anybody who Googles it should be able to find the answer. I'm absolutely a believer in open source and sharing information. And that is another differentiator between us and the other companies. They don't have the YouTube educational videos where we answer anything about the pill patch ring that you want. People ask questions about other methods, but obviously I'm not selling the other methods. So I'm not going to waste my time to film videos about them, yeah. but I'm always happy to answer questions. And as a female founder and one who is very much, I think, an advocate of female entrepreneurship, what are some of the challenges that you've faced because of your gender in you know, Silicon Valley, where typically you have mostly white male VCs that are you know, deciding whether or not your company is the one that's gonna get funded? Yes, I think I have many things that are, what do you call subliminal unconscious bias that might be working against me. Yeah. And what it is, as you mentioned, being a woman, being older, greater than 45 years old, being a doctor and being a parent. And so being a woman, I've seen my competitors get funded. One guy, when he didn't announce any numbers, he got funded. And then another guy had 40 to 50 customers funded. Then I come along, I'm like, well, he had 40 to 50. I have 150. So I should get funded too, right? And I'm the only female founded, the only doctor practicing doctor founded. Plus I have 150 customers and he only have 50. I had to beg for money. And luckily there were two amazing allies, two guys that funded as well as StartX and a a couple of female angels for sure. I'm so thankful for Precursor, so thankful for Electus and all of my angels. I don't know if they want to be named or not. Yeah. (laughs) And, And so that was the woman factor. And I wonder if I had my husband pitch or if I asked you to go pitch, you would have gotten the money because I don't know what's going on there. And it's a woman product. It should be a bonus because I have the domain expertise and the passion. 
the doctor, people are like, whoa, how could a doctor run a company? How could a 21, 23-year-old dude who just graduated Stanford run a company, right? I can run it just as well. And if you actually look at my resume and I make it clear, I've been treasurer of everything my entire life. So I'm very familiar with bottom line and balance sheets and making sure you don't lose money. You will not lose money. And so the doctor also expertise, right? I can... I like to say I can talk birth control in my sleep. I can do any podcast or video instantly on birth control because this is just what I study. This is what I teach other people about. This is what I love. And then being older, my Rolodex, see, I'm old. My LinkedIn is better than a 23-year-old dude's LinkedIn. Yep. Mm -hmm. My friends are the VP of marketing here, here, and here. Your friend just started marketing at Facebook, you know, mm. entry level versus top of the line, lots of experience, can share with me, can give me their interns, can, you know, give me good stuff. People give free stuff to older people who have connections. And then lastly, as a parent, I would get questions like, oh, did you have to go home and take care of your kids? You're a lesser worker. You're going to be a slacker or whatever. I have a full-time nanny and I have a very supportive husband. I tell everybody it's very important. You have a partner who's going to be 50-50 or even more. My husband, I'd say, is 80-20. He's doing 80% and I'm doing 20%, yeah. especially with the startup. Mm -hmm. And then as a parent, I realized, and this is my advice to people, once your kids are older than five, you're back to full productivity. And you look at everyone without children and like, what are you doing with all the hours in the day? You've got evenings and weekends there's like 120 plus hours a week like you act like there's 40 but oh there's so many more hours and so because i've had children i know of all these secret hours that other people don't know about and because i'm a doctor i know how to pull an all-nighter i know how to work my butt off mm -hmm. so i feel all of these are bonuses but i don't get to be like this i think in front of an investor as strongly i certainly point out my experience and my qualifications and i think they get the passion yeah the and passion comes through <laughs> for sure definitely yeah but i totally wonder and I, i'm coming on another round and somebody has said maybe just hire the white dude to come in and pitch and if he gets the money then he deserves part of the company and that just hurts me yeah it really makes me sad i i think things are changing i think you're seeing more and more female founders and they're really taking the charge. I think there's something about the loyalty of a customer base to a female founder if the products are oriented towards women. Yes. Uh, you saw that with Glossier. You see that with you know Kylie Jenner becoming the youngest billionaire for her makeup line, right? And you're seeing more and more, I think, female-led, female-oriented companies. What do you think is the future of that? Unfortunately, the stats, I think, in the past two years is that the funding that women founders have received has stayed stagnant at 2 to 3%. Mm -hmm. The number of women VC have increased, so that's great. Mm -hmm. But the number of women receiving funding is still low. And part of it is, you know, we've heard that if you have a warm introduction, that increases your rate of funding 13x. And so I think women need to realize and minorities need to realize that you need to work your connections and ask your allies, not just your fellow minority or fellow woman for that connection, but the people that have the connections that you all don't have to reach out. But I absolutely think that as the new generation of 40, 50 somethings, hopefully things will balance out. But I also hope that when funders look at who's on their board and who are they funding, that they try to reach parity. And then consumers, I think most consumers aren't asking, is the company I'm 
patronizing or giving money to founded by a woman. And we really want people, obviously, if you have the same choice, same equivalent product between a guy and a woman serving you and you're a woman, please choose the woman. Mm -hmm. But I also think the woman produces the better product in my case. Mm -hmm. And do you think there's a difference between healthcare and other verticals? I think that healthcare should be directed by a physician. I think that healthcare should be directed by somebody who isn't only about the bottom line. I am absolutely going to make my investors money. I would rather die than not return back their money because these are friends and family. This is my good friends that I did a stretch and begged them for money. This is my brother. And I would rather die. I would die of shame if I did not give these people money back. But you can't just be about the bottom line because as we've seen people do things and the saying in Silicon Valley is break the law and say sorry later. Mm -hmm. See what you can get away with. But you can't do that with people's health. Yep. It's not okay if somebody gets pregnant. It's not okay if somebody's drugs were tampered with and you don't know about it. It's not okay to push drug number two when there's something superior. Mm -hmm. And how have you dealt with the controversy surrounding birth control in general? and pushing forward a product that certain religious and political groups are not aligned with? So I think you've heard a little of our strategy. Our strategy is that birth control is not just for birth control. Birth control yes. is for women's equality mm -hmm. and that it's not just for sex. And mm -hmm. that's unfortunate in our country that, you know, we're like, sex is bad, sex is evil, save it for the one you love. <laughs> and so our approach is that it's, you can start, turning off your periods at age 14 or two years after your period start. And so the 14 year old is generally not starting in for sex, but is starting it for the bleeding and for competitiveness in school, especially in Silicon Valley and other places where they're very competitive. I pitch to any mother or father of a 14 year old girl, is she going to do better on her finals on her period or off her period? Because it happened to me. It was my biochemistry final pre-med at MIT. And all of a sudden, boom, blood. And I'm like, ah. And do I run to the bathroom or do I finish the final? And being a pre-med, I finished the final. But did it distract me a little from my test? Yes, it did. And I look over to the guy next to me. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Would that I were he. And I want my daughters to be as competitive as the dude next to her. And I want them to crush all the dudes or at least be equivalent to them. But if they're distracted by blood all of a sudden falling on them, or you can feel your uterus cramping or the blood oozing out, a little bit distracting. And so that is how we're approaching it. That is why we've purposely not partnered with Planned Parenthood. We see ourselves as an adjunct to Planned Parenthood, but we do notice the danger and the political pitfalls of that. I had a friend approach me to see if she could use our platform for Plan C, which is abortion pills by mail. And I said, I'm having a hard enough time getting funded for birth control. If I throw abortion, I might as well just lie down and die because I will get no money for that. And certainly yeah. you could do it as a nonprofit, but even then it's hard. And so we aren't going as controversial as I might like to go. And maybe in the future, when society becomes more accepting, we can go there. But we're sticking to birth control, which is about prevention and not just for birth control. Yeah, yeah. For creating equality between genders or furthering equality between genders, but also as a major health enabler for women. 
to prevent all these different cancers yes. and improving their quality of life overall. I wonder, you know, kind of the long-term economic benefits. And if, I don't know if you have thought about yeah. this, like of just having women stay in the workforce longer, of having women reach their full potential because they may be able to put off. And there are probably on the flip side, negative effects of this smaller growth in the population size. Yeah. But, you know, I wonder, do you have any data or predictions of how this might impact the world's economy in general? Well, I think on the small micro level, we'll decrease these cancers. And so there'll yeah. be less cost to those cancers and there'll be fewer lives lost to them. Mm-hmm. And if the number one cause of missed school and work in a woman under age of 25 is her periods and we get rid of that then that will no longer be an issue. And that will be huge. I've seen, and particularly, unfortunately, lower socioeconomic patients of mine that their parents will allow them to miss two days of school a month or three days. And that's like, doesn't sound like much. That's 10% of her education. That is the difference between an A and a B. And if she hits her classes 100%, but she's missing two days a month of school because she's having bad evil periods or seven days a month, then she's always going to be a B student. And unless she knows what she missed, she doesn't know to make it up and she will always be behind. So this is a way for these young people to catch up and to forward their education. And actually in third world countries, specifically I've heard in India, a lot of women drop out in junior high because that's exactly when their period comes. They don't have menstrual products there. And so they miss one week out of four. If you miss 25% of your education, you just can't keep up and you give up and then you can't contribute. And so we need half the sky. We need 100% of our population contributing their brain and their ideas and their energy and their potential. And so this is lifting half the sky. I love that. I love the visual there. But how are you going to be able to tackle the problems in those third world countries? Because right now you're focused in the United States. Is there anyone else that's focused on those third world countries? Do you think that eventually this might spread to those third world countries? Because there's a broader mission there. It's almost a more dramatic increase in economic opportunities, education opportunities there. I think the idea of periods optional needs to be spread and needs to be educated and needs to be spoken as equality, but also all the health benefits and landfill, all the feminine hygiene products. And so there are tons of people working to get feminine hygiene products to these third world countries. But if instead we focus on getting them the implants or the IUD, then we could turn off their periods and lighten their periods and they wouldn't need the feminine hygiene products and they'd be able to go to school and they wouldn't necessarily end up getting pregnant. And people go, well, there are cultures and birth control. Again, it's not about birth control. It's about allowing the 14 year old to get to school without the need for feminine hygiene products. And so in the third world countries, I would focus more on just bang for buck and easy use, the IUD or the implant. And as I like to say, my 12-year-old could put in the implant. I think my nine-year-old could even put in the implant. It's pretty easy to teach someone how to do that. But the question is, can society bring that rod down price really low? And I, India manufactures most of the drugs anyway. So somebody in India should manufacture the implant at 10 cents Put it in, change it every three years until people have completed whatever education they want. It sounds like you've thought about this as a potential expansion or method of expansion for your company. So where's Pendia going? Where's Pendia right now? How big's the company? And what are the next steps in terms of developing your product like that? 
Yeah. So Pandia, we just closed our seed round and now we're trying to get our numbers up. To Congratulations. Get, thank you for series A. And then we are currently able to write prescriptions in California, but we're about to expand to other states as we fast as we can. We can deliver to all 50 states in the United States. So if you have a prescription, move it to Pandia, send it and forget it. We also have great goodies. We send out chocolate, tea, feminist pins, a free <laughs> subscription to Ms. Magazine, a discount on vibrator, a portfolio on how to achieve orgasm, all sorts of cool things for free that some of our competitors don't send out. And as I mentioned before, we're starting with birth control, but we're going to grow with our women as they grow. And we hope to take on everything that is subscription or long-term. We don't want to be your, I need my antibiotics today kind of deal, but kind of long-term medications we want to take on. And in terms of expanding to other countries, you know, each country is complicated mm -hmm. with its medicine and its pharmacy but we absolutely believe in donating to help and absolutely sharing our expertise. And part of what people have mentioned is creating our own contraceptives, not creating our own new contraceptives, well, maybe, but just making generic and making it cheaper and more widely available. But again, I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. So I have some friends that are making birth control pills. I have other friends that are doing menopause. And so my thing is I'm going to get big enough and I'm going to buy all you and we're going to be one giant, big, happy women's reproductive health company, or you get big enough and you buy me. Whoever wins, wins. I'm mm -hmm. no skin off my back. As long as I pay back my investors and pay them back well, and as long as we do good. Yeah, doing good. Yes, no bad. <laughs> So what type of advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs in healthcare and aspiring entrepreneurs who are female? I would say for aspiring entrepreneurs that are female, build your tribe. Ask your tribe for help. And that goes to any entrepreneur. You can't do it alone. You don't know everything. And don't be afraid to ask for feedback, positive and negative and know that you don't know everything and there will be a lot to learn. And if you can't do it, bring someone on who does. For female entrepreneurs, there's so many women entrepreneur groups out there and it's a little overwhelming, but it's also awesome to see other people who are struggling, like you are struggling, but also to be like, I need a social media person. Who can you recommend? And women helping women, but also allies helping women as well. So specifically, there's the Women's Startup Lab that I went through. Springboard Enterprise is a great nonprofit accelerator. You just pay a flat fee and they train you and you get access to this amazing, powerful group of kick butt women. And then StartX, which has, I think, 50% women in it, is amazing. It's Stanford. You have to have some sort of Stanford affiliation, but mm -hmm. secret 10%, I think, of the people they let in don't have any Stanford affiliation. <laughs> they actually have that secret category for women <laughs> and minorities and people. So you heard it here. <laughs> and yeah, just work your Rolodex. Ask the cool people around you like Morgan here oh, to you. help spread the word. Well, thank you very much for enlightening us on your company and the wonderful mission that you're espousing at Pindia Health. I wish you the best and I'm sure all my listeners do as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me and I love this show. Can't wait to hear it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Imagine Human. 
please check us out at www.imaginehuman.com to learn more about our guest, see her product, and connect with her via social media. As always, please subscribe and share this episode with your friends. We appreciate it.